The Pat Kenny Show on News Talk with Matter Private Network. During current restrictions, don't ignore your health concerns. Our expert team is ready to help. Now we're joined by Professor Luke O'Neill, Professor of Biochemistry at Trinity College in Dublin. Luke, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Now, someone sent me some information last night from Israel and uh, it's about whether or not booster vaccines, which they're well on the way uh, to completing there, uh, give you great protection against the new variant Omicron. And uh, what I have here is uh, boosted vaccination protection from infection is 90 percent, as distinct from 95 percent against Delta. If you've been previously sick, you've twice the chance of being infected by this new lad. The R is 1.3 faster than Delta. Unvaccinated people have 2.4 times the chance of becoming seriously sick than with the original strain. Now, yeah, that's very early stuff. I saw that. Yeah, it was, it was on Channel 12 in Israel. I was on, on the news and then it was in the Jerusalem Post. I just saw it myself this morning, actually. Yeah, this sounds great. I don't think this is true. But I'm not quite sure how they can claim it because there wouldn't be that. Well, it, the question is how many cases of Omicron are in Israel. But they're claiming that, yeah, that the vaccine is holding up, which is great to see. I, I saw as well, Pat, they're saying if you're unvaccinated, you're at higher risk from Omicron than Delta. Did you see that as well? So, again, that, yeah. that seems to suggest please get vaccinated if Omicron is around because if you're unvaccinated, you will get get sicker than you will get with Delta. Now, again, these are one-liners in these statements. I think the Department of Health in Israel said they will release the data. They're going to release the data pretty soon so we can see it. But but it's probably true that the vaccine is holding off, which is a great thing to see, really. Yeah, which is what you were predicting. That uh, yeah. and You said what the, the other day you told me that uh, quantity is better than quality sometimes, that if you create loads and loads of uh, antibodies through your booster, that you'll basically swamp the thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and, and again, it could be the booster is doing its job in Israel because there's so much antibodies to say being made, so that, that seems to be holding up as well, which is great. I, I suspect Pat, by tomorrow or certainly by, by, by early next week, we'll have loads of data on Omicron Watch because I know all the labs are studying it, you know, and they're examining blood from vaccinated people. We'll get more and more numbers. The, the South Africans are now saying it's the dominant form. Did you see that? In South Africa. So it clearly is spreading there, you know. So we should, we'll, we'll learn a lot more. But, but the most important thing from that Israeli study is that the, vac- the, the vaccine, and certainly the booster, is providing good protection against it. Yeah. Uh, did you see, the, I saw on the Times of London this morning that uh, the Britain is predicting a four-shot regime. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I wonder, is that the vaccine manufacturers maybe saying that? But I'm not sure. Again, it's too early to say. I mean, I'm going with the previous Israeli study, which has said that a third shot will give you a year's protection. Let's hope that's the case. And yeah. and if it did become four, it would just be the vulnerable older people, remember, would have, a, have, have regular vaccination is the way to think of it. Yeah. I presume that'll be the the annual uh, flu plus uh, coronavirus vaccine that uh, probably will become the norm for many, many people. Now, you've been looking at um, some of the therapies which try to keep you out of hospital if you do contract uh, COVID-19 and the antivirals. uh, What's the news on them? Are they effective? But again, rapid rapid research Pat, is happening there as well. So so as we know, Paxlovid is the big one. That's the Pfizer drug, which is being made in Ringoskiddy, as we know for the world, which is great for, for Ringoskiddy. That's the one that gave 89% decrease in hospitalisation rate, which is a great number. But the question is, would it work against Omicron? And it literally two days ago, they've, they're releasing information that it should it should work well against Omicron. What, what it targets is a thing called M-Pro, which is a thing called a protease in the virus. And this protease is needed 
for the virus to package itself. So if you block that protease, the virus falls apart, basically. And it, it, proteases are well-known targets for antivirals and, and, and Pfizer went after it. And they've tried M-Pro from different variants. Now, they haven't tried um, uh, Omicron, but Omicron, but, but, the, but the one in Omicron is similar to the other variants, if you know what I mean. So they can predict it from s- testing several variants. It works very well. So therefore, they can predict it, it will work against uh, Omicron's protease as well, which is good because cause here we have a very powerful antiviral should there be an issue with vaccines, say, or whatever. And of course, we want the antivirals to work against any variant, really. So again, that was a, that was a very good study, really. Now, there's another one, Molnupiravir. I don't know how you make up these names for these great drugs. Yeah. Um, and there's kind of not unanimity in the United States on this. No, this is important as well, Pat, because that, that was the first Merck, remember, announced this first. This was the one that gave 50% decreased risk of hospitalisation a few weeks ago. And that was a great headline, remember, and we're all thinking, oh, we now have a very powerful antiviral. Well, well first of all, uh, when they did more patients, it dropped the 30% decreased risk. So mm. it wasn't quite as good initially. And that, that's un- that unnerved the regulator slightly. And then it went to the FDA and it got through. So it has been approved in America, but it was 13 in favour and 10 against. So it wasn't unanimous, you see. And that's causing a slight concern. Now, it is approved, first of all. That's, that's the important thing to say. Um, and, and then we're wondering, why did 10 people vote against it? And they're saying that drop to 30% is unexplained, you see. Why did it get less effective as it was tested further? Is there some reason for that? And then the second thing is it works in a different way to Paxlovid. It scrambles the recipe for the virus. That's how it works. So it interferes with the replication process, you know, and that means it causes mutations in the RNA. And of course, the concern there is, would it cause mutations in human cells, say, say in a developing yeah. fetus, for instance? And there's no evidence for that. Merck have said they've tested that in animals. It doesn't do that. But still, one or two people on the panel wondered, we want more data, basically, they said, and they, they were slightly reluctant, you know. The, the second fear people have is it might cause mutations in the virus that benefits it. So even though you scramble the recipe, you might make a different recipe that's a bit more powerful, you see. So again, that worried yeah. one or two of them. So for that reason, 10 voted against it. But having said that, it has got through. So that's the important thing, you know, I guess. But mm-hmm. but that drop to 30% has, has uh, created a tiny bit of concern. Now, what about uh, the Regeneron story? Because uh, that, that made all the news headlines. It's an antibody cocktail. Uh, how does that fare against Omicron? Yeah, as we've said, this is the famous one that Donald Trump himself got. You remember when, when it was still experimental? Mm-hmm. It got approved. It's really good. It decreases hospitalisation as well. But the trouble is it hits the spike protein. And as we know, the spike has changed in Omicron. And it's changed in a way that should make that cocktail less effective. And now Regeneron have said that. They've said they've tested their cocktail against Omicron and sure enough, it's slightly less effective. So again, that's less useful in a way. They've said they can change it though. Um, they're developing a, a kind of a follow-on version, you know, which may be better. But still, that tells us that the antibodies can go down in efficacy. Mm. Uh, there are a number of other companies. Eli Lilly have one, uh, Vir Biotechnology and uh, Gilead Inc. have one. Yeah. What are they all saying about their therapies? Yeah, there, there's several of them out there because it was an obvious thing to do. Is, as you may remember, you can make antibodies in a test tube kind of thing and then inject those into people, you see. But they are against the spike. So the big question is, will several fail? L- Eli Lilly's one allegedly is less effective as well. Vir is holding up. That one still seems to be effective. So Vir may be the one that will make it. But, <clears throat> but Regeneron have said they are developing a, a follow-on that should work. Yeah, and, and the one from Vir Technology is called Sotrovimab. Yeah, another great um, name. But these are appalling names, Pat, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> they wonder why they come up with these names. One reason is that uh, they, people can't pronounce it, but they will use the generic name. They make a catchy name next, you see, and that's easier to pronounce. But, um, but the names are terrible. It's very hard to remember them.
Now, uh, you want to talk uh, once again about vaccine equity because clearly if the virus runs rampant in other parts of the world, you may get more Omicrons. You will indeed. Most of them may be harmless, but there might be one little devil in there that will do for us all. There might. And, and Science Magazine, which, which is the world's biggest science magazine in many ways with nature, big article, Pat, by many people begging drug companies to release uh, the patent waiver, you know. And then secondly, to reveal the trade secrets, because it's not just about patents, it turns out. Each company has its own little tricks of the trade to make their vaccine. And it's called a secret sauce, in fact, is, is the phrase they use, which we know from other things. So they're asking these companies now to let companies in developing countries make the vaccines because the current system isn't working. But COVAX have said they've only got 371 million doses out. They wanted to get 2 billion out to developing countries. So, so the COVAX mechanism, which is, which is a great mechanism, of course, because it's charitable and governments and so on. That doesn't seem to be working well. So there's pressure now on Moderna and Pfizer and J&J to release the patents, you know, and then give the yeah. secret sauce. And sources. it's not permanent. I mean, they're, they're saying do it, you know, for a period until we get the world vaccinated and then you can uh, go back and get your royalties for any subsequent uh, rounds of vaccination. They're not saying you have to give everything no, away. No, precisely. It, it'd be time restricted. The, the numbers are still there, but only 27% of people in developing countries have had one shot. 70% are fully vaccinated in high-income countries. So the, the difference is huge. You know, There are lots of companies can make vaccines in developing countries. 25 of them have said, we can make it. If you give us the patent waiver, give us the secret sauce, we can have it made within three months, they're saying, these vaccines, which would be tremendous, wouldn't it? Because then you suddenly have huge supply for developing countries and this issue would then go away in a way and then we get we wouldn't be worrying so much about new variants or or the equity questions. Yeah. So there's big pressure now on the, on the big drug companies to do this. Yeah, You, you know, the line that uh, some of the big boys in pharma have been saying is that the capacity and the expertise is not there in developing countries. Um, you said that's not actually not true. And even some of the sophisticated countries have not been given access to this stuff. That's right. Where yeah. there would be a developed pharma industry. That's right. But, but they would have to give these, these uh, trade secrets away and probably send in their staff to help them, probably. Because it is a complex process. It's not like making a tablet. You know, they are very complicated things to make. But it's, it's possible to do, you see. And, and, and all these companies are saying, please, they're asking for this, you see. So it's not clear why it hasn't happened yet, really. Um, what's your take on the, the mask debate at the moment? Well, it keeps going on, but doesn't it? I can't believe we're still talking about it, to be honest. You know, I mean, I'm, many of us are saying, what about ventilation, aren't we, the whole time? That's a much better solution than getting nine-year-olds to wear masks. Although masks do work, of course. So so I, I am in favour of it, I have to say, but, but it's very difficult, isn't it? It would have been far better if they'd cracked the ventilation problem, I think, in my view. Yeah, and you, you saw Philip Nolan saying HEPA filters wouldn't work, no point in them. Um, so it really, it does get very confusing. It does. And the engineers say they do work. There's a difference of opinion there, Pat, isn't there? <laughs> That's a strange one. You know, because there is plenty of evidence that these uh, HEPA filter devices do work. I think the point Philip is missing there is this is an aerosol-borne disease, not droplets. Those filters don't really work with droplets because the droplets fall close by, you see. But a filtration system works for an aerosol-borne disease. So, so again, I don't see why they haven't got HEPA filters in all the classrooms. Now, some of the questions coming in, Alison Trim, can you ask Luke, what's the recommended booster time for the J&J vaccination, the single shot? Mixed reports on the HSE site isn't exactly clear to me. Uh, I'd appreciate uh, yeah. information and I love all your fantastic reports. Uh, so there you are. Uh, what do you say to Alice? Two months, Pat, I think is the recommendation there. Two months. And, and a really important point, Pat, is the UK have shifted. Did you see that? They're now saying three months is the time between second and third shot of any vaccine. 
So we should move to three months now. We're still five months here, which is too long. That means many won't be given the booster before Christmas. So I would move to a three-month gap from the second to third for any vaccine. And all the over-18s are being done in the UK as well. So Ireland should move in that direction for definite as soon as we can. Very interesting question here. Is it possible to get infected simultaneously by different variants? Could you have Delta and then contract Omicron or does one trump the other? That's a a great question. Yeah, you can co-infect the one cell type. But obviously if they're in competition, one might get onto the ACE2 more quickly, you know, and get in then and dominate, you know. so. But sometimes you can see two viruses in the one cell. But in general terms, the stickier one gets in first is the idea and it outcompetes the other one is the idea. Uh, what happens to the old variant when the new variant becomes dominant? That's from Eugene. Does it just fade away? Well, it, it gets outcompeted, obviously, is the first thing. But it does fade away because immunity builds up. But it's a good question, actually, about that as well, yeah. Um, what's happened to the R number? We lived and died by this at the beginning. That's from Anne in Wexford. We did. They still report that now and again, don't they, Pat? But it's a, it's kind of an imprecise number, the R number, you know. And I was in London on, on Monday, Pat. You love this story. And I, and I met the president of the Royal Society, a very eminent guy. And he's a statistician. And he said to me, I don't really go with these R numbers. He says, because they're very hard to calculate. Uh, but they are used, obviously, as a way to measure it. And it's a, it's a rough guide for how, how transmissible the virus is, really, you know. But you're much better off looking at lab-based data to figure out if something is transmissible or not. Yeah, lots of questions which, you you know, are not in your domain to answer about where is my booster shot live in the west of Ireland? Um, what about us, the J&J cohort in my 30s, got my first shot in early July? Will the booster shot be shown on your EU COVID cert? Well, it'll have to be, it will. Uh, I'm yep. sure. Yep. Um, so we're just waiting for that documentation to be um, released by the HSE. I'm double vaccinated. I got through a dose of COVID and now have my recovery cert. I'll be getting my booster jab as soon as I'm offered it. I'm in my mid-40s, so not there yet. Would my vaccination and antibodies be effective against Omicron? That's from Peter. Yeah, they should. Yeah, that's the hope, especially the booster. Although we do think younger people, you've got a great response if you're under 40 anyway, and you should have loads of antibody in your system to protect against Omicron. And I think that Israeli study, Pat, actually, that we discussed earlier, they did say the two shots were giving some protection against Omicron as well. So so we should be happy enough with the two shots for, for the younger people. Mm. Well, by the time we speak next week, I'm sure uh, we'll have more news uh, from Israel. A uh, question we r- referred to it briefly in passing. Can you ask, Luke, if there's a risk the new antivirals could create vaccine-evading mutations if we use them too much? I suppose a bit like antibiotics. Yeah, not vaccine-evading, but they might, they might evade the antiviral. You know, you may get resistance to the antiviral drug, hence the notion of combining them to try and avoid that, you know. But again, that, that's something that they look at very closely and I wouldn't be too worried about viruses dodging these antivirals, especially if they're used in combination. Uh, I've just recovered from COVID. Am I less likely to catch it now for a period of time or does the new variant change that? Well, uh, it does appear to change that, the, the, that, that uh, early news from Israel um, that you can still get it. Slightly, but the thing is, but the, the thing to mention is the T-cells are there as well. And the, the Omicron won't really dodge T-cells as much. So I'd be, I'd be pretty confident that most people would still have some resistance to, the, to Omicron if they've been infected. All right. Well, Luke, uh, great science as usual uh, from you. And we'll talk to you uh, next week with all the latest news. Luke O'Neill, Professor of Biochemistry at Trinity College in Dublin. 